This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together. And since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Misty Kerrigan, my dear friend, colleague, we work together with the Mentor Studio. I'm so incredibly honored and privileged to have you here today. Thank you so much. And um, just want to make sure, yeah. Oh, there you go. There we go. (laughs) Um, You're just incredible. You have an incredible background. I want to hear all about it. But first, how did you get to where you are today? Because I knew you're a business psychologist, and I'd never even really heard that term before, but it totally makes sense. But how did you get into that? And what drove you to choose that that path? I actually started um, 23 years ago in children's mental health, as working in group homes, uh, residential treatment centers, uh, the the place where when the foster youth get pulled out and they don't have any other place and they go to a like um, a campus, it's in San Diego, it's called Polinsky Center. So I had all these jobs on mental health and I started to do groups because I'm bored um, in some of the places. So I just started to put together goal groups and the goal groups started working. And so then I put together bigger groups and it turns out what my boss found out is the bigger things we put together that were very like a McDonald's, if you will, but it was instead of burgers, we sold confidence or we sold um, liking yourself better is that we were able to systemize it and then hire teams to come in and run it and then find funding for it. So got grants or um, different government money coming in and then it would be packaged and ready. And then I would find a coordinator and they would go coordinate it. And then I would be bored again and I'd go write another program. And then what happened was I got hired for UC Davis for training. So I started to train and I started and one day I realized someone was asking me what I do. And they're like, oh, you you run a lot of multi-million dollar contracts. And I said, yeah, I create programs, the company. And I so I was telling them everything I did. They're like, wow, how much do you make? And it was 70000 a year. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, well, why do you not make more from your programs? And I'm like, it's a nonprofit. So they were like, oh, well, you, that's business. You're doing business without knowing you're doing business. But I was always psychology. So I never knew that that was business. Yeah. If that makes sense. I just thought that's just what I did. And so then I went back. I never wanted to be a therapist, 
but I did a lot of things that were therapeutic. So I went back and got a degree in industrial organizational psychology, which is the study of people yeah. and business. Cause I've always been obsessed with behavior. Okay. So then I just started taking those same principles, which was how do you meet people's needs and how do you move them along from point A to point B while meeting their needs? And so then that just became the way I construct and help businesses. So I go into businesses and we just lay everything out and then we figure out how, how do we have your customers that love what you do, bring more people to you. And then how do we get strangers moving from not knowing you to becoming a raving fan? But each business is unique, especially in small businesses. So there's, it's not just one size fits all, but you could take like a cookie cutter and you bend it accordingly to it where it works for that business. Interesting. And, you know, and I totally forgot to mention, which obviously we are doing this live, but the, the audience that's only listening to this, they don't know that we're actually taping this live in person, which is so much fun for me because I only get to interview people remotely. Um, we are at the Ultimate Wealth Camp brought to you by Bill Walsh and Power Team International. And Misty just did an incredible talk on stage. So share with the audience what you talked about and a little couple of little tidbits about what you shared with the audience because they, they loved it. Actually, I'm going to share with you guys what I didn't get to because I talked too much. But Okay, perfect. <laughs> you're helping me therapeutically here is that everyone knows that we do business with people we know, like, and trust. But what they statistically don't know is we do more business with who our friends know, like, and trust. Right. Because it's 92% will listen to referral more than ourselves. Now, that statistic gets even better is 75% of people read testimonials before they buy your product, especially online. Now, the awesome, awesome part that you got to understand is 92% of people trust those testimonials as much as a friend. Yes. So that's complete strangers. If they have, see a testimonial, they, and there's a psychological way to write them, if they see a testimonial they align with, are more likely to buy your product than just coming off the streets. So the testimonial is some of that bridge to help you. Now, the fun part is, though, is that how have you ever had a customer that was a pain in the butt? Yeah. <laughs> and have you ever had a customer that you loved and almost was like family? Yes. Yes. And don't we want more customers that are more like family? They don't second guess you. They don't like, they don't question the price. They don't call you all day, right? It's the things that you help them do, they go and they do because they trust you. So when it's a referral, you are hired to convert them. You're hired to keep them within your company. And they have a 16% more um, return on investment over a lifetime than a customer that just comes in from other um, traditional marketing. Well, and that just goes, that just speaks volumes, the power of testimonials and our shopping patterns and behaviors. Because I know for me, I wasn't like this a long time ago, but if there's a product, for example, this equipment that I'm using here, this is not the equipment that I use at home. I bought this equipment, especially for doing live podcasting, because it's a little bit different. Oh my gosh. And I need better quality microphones and just the whole setup. This particular one, I purchased it on Amazon because of all of the five-star reviews and not just like there was a lot, it was like a few thousand, right? And like that to me, I'm like, oh, okay, I can trust this product because if that many people, because how many times do you actually purchase something and take the time <laughs> to review it, right? <laughs> I mean, they send you the email reminders, but do I have time? Because I do a lot of online shopping. Do I have time to review everything? No. 
But when people do do that, it really speaks volumes. So I want to give you a tip for that. Okay. So what I love to do is psychologically, I read the ones and the fours. Okay. And I read the ones because I want to understand why they're ones. And if the ones are more in in more internal locus, like um, let's say this products are like, uh, it, they said it was going to be smaller. Okay. I really don't care about that. I care more right. about the sound quality, right? Or, right. or um, the store didn't have it for five weeks, you know, like, I'm like, okay, well, that's a store thing. Like, there's nothing about the product, right? Because you'll see right. that they'll give it a one for the stupidest reason. Like, they didn't deliver it when they said they were going to deliver it. And if it's not a delivery thing, then I don't care if it's holding it, right? And then the fours are raving fans, but they'll usually give you a little something like, you know what, it was really great. The sound quality wasn't quite where I wanted, but it worked for the price. Like, so those are the stuff that I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll purchase this. Because sometimes when we're writing the reviews, it's really just based upon our emotion in the moment we're writing the the review. So I want to get that. I want to get both moments. I want to get their high moments and their low moments and then take logically in, okay, this is how I'm moving forth with this product. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's what makes us happy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So so you're writing these programs for different companies and, and whatnot. How do you incorporate that business psychology? Like what, what are the, are there pain points that most organizations come to you with? And like, we need to figure out how to resolve this issue. Is there, is there a commonality there or is it really just. In the bigger companies I work with, it's people, it's employees, leaders. And so in the bigger companies, I do leadership, culture, multi-generational trainings, um, a lot of communication. Now in a smaller company, if it's just the the one person, one of the things I see entrepreneurs lack is the, the board of director sort of mindset where I'm accountable with these numbers to these people. Cause you know, a CEO has to answer to people usually. Right. So the fun part about entrepreneurs is when we answer to ourselves, sometimes we're not as great as when we have to answer to somebody else. So what I find in most companies is, is they, especially if it's one to two staff, the, the owner is just doing all the things 90% and not the 10% that makes money. So usually the first thing I come in is we clear everything out. And I said, show me what makes you money. Show me what is the things that you specifically do? Is it the phone calls? Is it the, not the, not the posting, not the thing, but what makes money. And then we kind of go back. We start backwards from there. Cause a lot of times when I'm coming in, it's because a lack of, of funding coming in. And if I can get them out of stress to understand like, Oh, this is how I get the money coming in. Then we can get that up and going. And then we could kind of fix some of the other stuff. Because if, if I'm a business, I know like when I work for UC Davis, I make a hundred an hour. No matter what I'm doing, if I'm creating, if I'm training, it's just a hundred. Doesn't get any lower. Doesn't get any higher. So some of the stuff that I told my my boss at Davis is, I'm not going to critique the grammar because then I would be making a dollar an hour. So if you want to pay me a hundred an hour, I'll take a hundred an hour. But anything I turn in needs to be run through a grammar and an editor because that's not my strong point. I don't edit. I suck at edit, and I'm going to have to pay someone to edit this. So it's not going to make a hundred an hour. And they said, no, we have an entire team. So I'm like, okay, so I stay at a hundred an hour and then I don't have to not decrease that by worrying about, let me go spell check this. Let me make sure this is grammar and, and the different things. So sometimes what we do is we'll, we'll do the things that are really like 15, $20 an hour. And we stay out of the things that would be making a thousand a dollar an hour in. 
And sometimes you have to. When you're starting a business, you're 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 the business. Let's face it. You can't like, I'm gonna start a business and I have five staff because I have no money. But what we really look at is the priority of time. If I can get you focused on doing the things that make you money first, crazy point is you have more energy to do the stuff that usually takes you longer later, you'll do it shorter. Because a lot of times when we're not where we want to be, we procrastinate or we push stuff off. But if we're in good moods, things get done faster and we're really more creative. Okay. Because you, you bring up a really, really great point right there. And I remembered something that, and, and that's why these conferences are so amazing to come to, because there's so much we forget about, or we need those gentle, friendly reminders. Like, because I heard somebody say it, it may have been Bill, it may have been you. I don't remember who said this, but it said, you know, take a look at yourself as your, you know, the solopreneur of your company and based on your productivity and what you're doing, would you fire yourself? And I was <laughs> sitting there and I'm like, uh, yeah, because I know, you know, we, we all have our seasons and, and I know the past few months for me, I really didn't accomplish a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, I've just, you know, you focus on different things. I've been focusing on my podcast. So, you know, some of the other revenue streams have been neglected. And I was looking, I'm like, yeah, I'd be fired. <laughs> and that's okay, right? Because it's all mine. So when it comes to things like procrastination or you're doing a busy work and you're not doing what's driving the needle from a revenue perspective, what is the psychology behind that? Like, why do people do that? Because I find myself getting into that. And, you know, like, what is that? Like, why do we tend to just create all this busy work that's not really pushing us forward? Is is there a reason? Is there a- So the funny part about entrepreneurs is, is there's a famous, it's a quote, and, and, and I think Bill says it a lot. He says, um, if you don't schedule your success, you're going to plan your failure. So a lot of times we, the entrepreneurs have this rebellious sort of thing. Like I'm not working 40 hours for someone else. I'm going to work 200 hours for me. <laughs> so when I break down and I show them, and um, I've, I did this to one of my uh, photographers, she's my branding photographer and she's going everything she does. We got it all niched down. And I said, congratulations, you're making $12 an hour. You know that right now at Target, they're playing 25. So I don't know why you're in your business to make $12 an hour if you're in your business for the money. Yeah, go work at Target. For yeah. 25. And she was crying and she's like, I don't understand. I go, because all the bullshit work you're doing, you're not doing the work that gets you the money. And we're really figuring that out is because we re enter because we want to control our own schedules, but then we don't schedule and then we become out of control. So it really is, is you sit down at the beginning of the week and you put your schedule into place. This hours is where I'm going to do this. These hours where I'm going to do that. And then I get pushed back by some of the entrepreneurs like, well, I didn't start my own company to kind of almost feel like I'm being bossed around. So I have to go in and psychologically we'll switch it. So it feels more like your schedule is freedom, not boxing you in. Right. It's just switching that perspective. Yeah. You have to schedule. So, and you could schedule your rocks first. Like I'm going to drop my kids off at school. Then I'm going to do. So when you're looking at your schedule and you see all this, I like to do colors, like all the blue means that's all the stuff I want to do this week. And you look what's left. Then you go, okay, do I need to decrease some of the blue this week to add? And let's say green means money. Green means your business. What ratio are you going to be willing to have your business in? And the business part making money. So you have the green, red means you're doing the stuff that it needs to be done in your business, but it's not making you direct money. So when you see blue is my free time, I'm an entrepreneur, I do what I want. 
green is where I make money and red is where I work in my business without making money, that visually pisses people off. And then what we could do is then we could decrease and and increase more. Like, do you want to make more money? Yeah. Okay, great. Where in the schedule do we want to make more money? And a lot of times they want to go right into the red and not the blue. Sometimes they get invited. They'll do both, but that's what you really do first is like lay out your schedule for the week. Where's green? Where's money coming in? Where are you trying to have way more freedom than you really can at this time? And then really looking at what am I spending more of my time doing that I really don't need to be doing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've got that visual of mine and mine probably more often than not is mostly red in the, in the stuff that I'm not. Yeah. Wow. Lots to think about. So yeah. Um, for all you entrepreneurs out there, take that to heart. Cause that's really great advice um, to, to move the needle because why are you doing this otherwise? Right. I mean, we, we have our why, but at the end of the day, you still want to be making money. So, and, and I'm guilty too. This is the fun part about being uh I always say that the doctor's the worst patient, right? Right. So a week before here, I had a client and I was like, okay, I'm going to write you up a proposal. My my making money is writing up proposals. And then uh, two days later, I had an accident client and they wanted a proposal. So I have two money proposals that are due, but I didn't set the next meeting with them. I just said, I'll get you the proposal. And then as we know, all this other stuff starts coming in. And so I was laughing about it because I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm procrastinating money. I knew I had to be here, but I could have met at least one of them before I came here. So what I did last night is I texted both of them and I said, um, oh, no, actually, this was this was the most even more embarrassing part is I get a text from the customer. Hey, where's the when when can I expect the proposal? <laughs> That's embarrassing as a business owner. Like I, the customer shouldn't be like, "Hey, hey where, can where, you send me a bill? I want to work with you, right? I, I want to give you money. Can you please yeah, send please, me a bill? Please, maybe give you money, sir." So I was like, I, "It's not done yet. I know what I need to do. I just haven't sat down and do it. But I have a long flight home today." So I said, "Oh, awesome. What works best for you, Wednesday or Thursday?" Yeah, she said Thursday. I said, "It's great. Um, four o'clock work." I guess it absolutely does. Now I have a deadline where I know it has to be there and it has to be really great. So I went into my schedule and I just blocked out plane ride home, which might get weird. So then tomorrow I already have two hours blocked out to get that done. And then I text my other client, hopefully my other soon to be client and said, Hey, do you have anything open on Friday to review the proposal? So sometimes what you have to do, especially if you get, um, I have ADHD and I do great with deadlines. I just do. So I have to give myself deadlines. I was just thinking the same thing and and maybe that because I was like, I wonder why that is. And yeah, ADHD, I'm the same way. Like if I have a deadline, you better believe it. I will meet, meet that bar none. And then there's so many times when I know I have to have something done by Friday and I wait until Thursday to do it. Why is that? Why do we do that? Do you know? Like as a... Absolutely. Because we don't want to do it. <laughs> we don't want to do it. <laughs> it's always so simple. Like I'm, a, I'm always looking for these like yeah. big explanations, and it's because of X, Y, Z, and then it's yeah. like, yeah, that's really what. It, yeah, we just don't want to do it. <laughs> we don't want to do it. So then we have to add more to doing it. Another thing that I started doing is, and and, and I, I think you probably do this too. I know I used to do it all the time. Is um, this is, I don't have time for this right now. I only have 10 minutes. I got to get to my next appointment. I only have 10 minutes. I got to eat. I only have 10 minutes. I got to, I got to do this. So a lot of stuff would pile up and then I would look up and it'd be overwhelming. So I just, I just started thinking, 
what can I do in 10 minutes? I just changed the question in my head. Instead, I had only had 10 minutes. I thought, what can I do in 10 minutes? Yeah. And I just started like, oh, I'm waiting for my coffee. I'll load a couple of dishes. I might not get to all of them, but I'll load as much as I can. The funny part is, is you could accomplish a lot of stuff in 10 minutes. So now it's now a game. I'm like, okay, I have 10 minutes. Let me straighten up the living room. I have 10 minutes. Let me um, get the next project organized. Because sometimes it takes me more time to organize what I have to do than it really does to take to do it. So I had all these little like five to 10 minute things that add up. And now now they're adding up of days because they keep pushing them off because they're too simple. And now I just find that the small times in my day, 10 minutes, I could do this for 10 minutes. And I got my wife doing it. So she'd be like, you know, I have 10 minutes. I'm going to put some stuff away in the garage because the garage is overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. So then I hear people say like, well, you know, I don't want to, I'll just stay all day and clean it. And I'm, But you won't, you just set an alarm and leave. But the fun part is, is yeah. So what if you do stay all day and clean it then? And you really had more time to clean it. I love that because I mean, and I noticed that all the time, especially like with a podcast, like, you know, oh, well, I, I only have five minutes before I have to, you know, log on or whatever. And it's amazing how much you can get done. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got all that done. And I look, I'm like, oh, that was only two minutes. Wow. But yeah, I, I'm going to use that. Use that. What can I do in 10 minutes? What can I do in 10 minutes? Love it. Because you know what? You can do anything for 10 minutes. You can. And and I learned this from Tony Robbins was he did his 15 minutes. He's like, if I, he just does 15 minutes. He does 15 minutes of something he doesn't want to do. He changes his state. And now he's in his new state in the mind, state of mind, not a new state, but like a state of mind. He said, yeah, the 15 minutes and sometimes takes to an hour, but that's what he wanted anyway. But if he tells his brain, I'm just going to do this for 15 minutes. I'm going to, I'm only going to work out for 15 minutes today. By the time I know it works for me on the treadmill. Once I get on the treadmill, 15 minutes goes by. I'm like, I might as well stay another 10. It's, it's to motivate you to at least get started. Cause once you started a lot of times, especially with ADHD, you want to finish because now you forgot why you don't want to start in the first place. <laughs> Our minds, crazy thing. Misty, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience that we haven't talked about today? And where can people find you and learn about more about what you do? Outstanding. So there's two ways. I'm on social media. You'll find Misty Kerrigan. And um, if you text the word rave to 26786, the word rave, R-A-V-E to 26786, you are going to get this amazing referral guide. So it's going to break down five components that need to be in the referrals. It's going to break down different examples. I like examples. I, I learn if someone says like, um, I do more business by explaining business through a lemonade stand. <laughs> because it's, if you simplify it, then your brain can then connect to it and make it better. So this, this one gives you, it's a, like a razor company and it gives you five different ideas of how to add referral programs and affiliate programs to a razor product. So you could do that with business coaching, or you could do that with um, maybe you're selling vitamins. I don't know, but you could kind of plug and play it and it gives you lots of ideas. So you're going to text the word RAVE, R-A-V-E to 26786, and you're going to be able to download it right from your phone. Nice. All right. We'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. RAVE to 26786. Misty, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled because I've been wanting to have you on the podcast. for this. <laughs> and it's great that we can do it live. Oh my gosh. It's even better. I love this. I love live podcasts. Well, it, it's been an honor. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening today. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. 
Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care.